Um, my name is Kathy, and I am the children's pastor here at SCUM. Um, I have a chronic illness that comes up every now and then, which is why I have the cane tonight. But that's okay. I also think Satan didn't want me to do this message, and he's a real bummer. But that's okay, too. Because God is bigger. God is greater. Um, and I claim that. And I'm excited to be here. Um, if you haven't noticed, at SCUM, we are storytellers here. A lot of us on staff, we like to share stories. Um, it's not story night. I'm not necessarily just giving my testimony. Um, so be prepared to hear the word tonight. Okay. If you don't want to hear it, there's the door. No, just kidding. If you don't want to hear it, you probably should stay. Um, yeah, stories are good. God has given us all a story, so don't be afraid to share yours. I would encourage you to do that. Um, I'm just going to share some of my story with you, and then we'll read some scripture, and then I'll share more of the story, and then more scripture, and more and more. We'll see how it goes. Uh, stories all day or day. Um, but anyways, growing up, I was surrounded by flawed human beings. I mean, um, huge struggles. Uh, surrounded by drug addicts, alcoholics, murderers, thieves, rapists, just to name a few of the flaws um, in my family. This was normal life for us. Um, some things were kept secret, but some things were talked about more proudly, as if it were totally normal. Um, my grandfather, my mom's dad, this is one of the more prouder stories that we share, was a train robber. I mean, he wasn't that old. This is like, you know, 30 years ago. Train robber. Boxcar Kenny. That was his street name. Yeah. It was a good name. Some people called him Jesse James. Modern day Jesse James. Outlaw of Lorraine, Ohio. <laughs> he was proud of this accomplishment, too. And uh, we even laughed about some of the stories that he would share. Uh, one year, he got a bad tip on a boxcar thought it was something valuable. I don't know. When I was growing up, I just remember seeing lots of tires. Like, tires were a thing that he stole that were valuable. I don't know. They were like something you could sell on the streets. That and drugs. But um, tires, I feel like he had a lot of tires. But this time, he got a bad tip, and he got a whole boxcar full of pogo sticks. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... You know the saying, when life gives you pogo sticks, you hand them out to every kid in the neighborhood for Christmas. Wouldn't that be awesome? He was every kid's hero that year. Um, so many funny stories like that, really. I, I think I wish he would have wrote them down. I think I could still write a book out of some of the stuff that I know. Can't make it up. I'm serious. Um, but those funny stories are kind of few and far between. The not-so-proud stories include more than him being a pogo-stealing thief. Um, 
In actuality, he was a drunk. He was a drug addict. He was a rapist. Uh, He beat his wife, my grandmother, and his children. The only relief they had was when he was in prison, which happened multiple times. Um, One of the not-so-proud stories, he once padlocked them inside their home while he poured gasoline all around the perimeter of the house and threatened to burn them all alive. My mother was just a young girl, but she remembers this story so vividly. Um, And thank God he was, like, on drugs and out of his mind because he passed out before he committed the deed right on the front lawn. Um, The wounds, the wounds run deep in my family. Um, It looks pretty bleak, this story. Uh, All signs point to destruction and death. But I want you to hold that thought while I read some scripture. I'll read this passage, and then we'll get back to the story, or at least part of it. Um, If I shared my whole story, we'd be here for hours, which I'm sure you guys are all game. (laughs) Right? Yeah, let's do it like one of those charismatic churches. Just hang out for three, four, seventeen hours here. I'll be good. So if you guys want, you can pull this up in your Bible or your phone, but I have it up here on the screen. It's Colossians 1, 13 through 23. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you are alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue to hold firm your faith and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I think there's a lot of nuggets in this passage, a lot of nuggets of truth. Um, I could do an expository preaching. We could go verse by verse, which I love to do, but I'm not going to do tonight. Um, But I encourage you to read this passage in context Um, whether by yourself or with a friend, 
or, you know, we can hang out, get coffee, read it together. Um, it's, it's got a lot. It's got a lot. And, like, if you're like me, you read it over and over and over and over and over again and still feel like there's something that jumps out at you. Um, so instead, I'm going to go back and just camp on a couple verses. Um, this passage, to me, shows me that there's hope, that there's redemption, and that we have a God who's for us. The first two verses I read, 13 and 14, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. When Jesus died on the cross, it was finished. We're rescued. We just have to acknowledge what already is. This is me speaking, not scripture now. So he died on the cross for us. That's already been done. We have this forgiveness waiting for us. My grandfather was on a downward spiral to hell. His wounds turned to hate and put him on a war path. Anyone who got in his way was affected. But even for him, there was hope. Even for him, there was forgiveness and grace. All he had to do was acknowledge it. To choose life with Christ. And to allow that love of Christ that already existed for him to transform his life and his actions. It was there for the taking. And I know I'm sharing mostly, um, you know, these stories of my grandfather. But his story has affected my story in ways you can't even imagine. I mean, my mom deeply wounded it broke her and she's still trying to cope side note she was here last week amazing she's from ohio she hasn't been on a plane in over 20 years because of her fear and anxiety that cripples her um she used to say when i was a kid that she'd never step foot in a church that if she did the walls would come crumbling down because that's how much of a sinner she is and she was here last week And she's been going to church back in Ohio, too, so that's pretty cool. But we all, my family, trying to cope with these wounds, um, we all became statistics of brokenness, poverty, drugs, hate. Statistics say I would keep the cycle going. They say, there's not a whole lot of hope for me and my offspring. And for the majority, it seems statistics are right. I mean, this crap didn't start with my grandfather. Generations. Generations before him. Of, like, crazy stuff. I could share. You should see Thanksgiving at my... It's like... If we could put on the little placemats, little place cards, which we don't do that because we're not, we don't, that's not what kind of dinners we have. But if you did, you, and, and, and everything, every kind of sin you can imagine, we're there. 
like. Uncle spent 30 years in prison for murdering his wife. See him every Thanksgiving. You know, it's insane. And nobody really talks about it. You're just like, hey, Uncle Larry, what's going on? I just said his name, but I don't think any of you guys will meet him. That's okay. Um, generations before my grandfather. And I even now, today, you know, not just my uncle, but I have cousins so addicted to heroin. It seems there's no hope. They've lost their children. They've lost their homes. They've lost their lives. I have another uncle who just died two months ago from an overdose. I mean, broken. This family is broken. But I got to tell you something. It may not have started with my grandfather, but it ended with Jesus Christ on the cross. He said it's finished. Sometimes I forget this truth. Sometimes I get caught up in the lies. I tell people I'm sold out for Jesus. I am sold out for him. But I get caught up in who I was before my life as a Christian or who I thought I was. Sometimes I'm so fearful. I think maybe the world's right. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not cultured enough. I'm just white trash. Because of my upbringing, how can I know how to be a good mom or a good wife? I'm clearly inadequate. I'm clearly unqualified. I'm afraid for my children. Even today, um, with this like chronic pain and stuff, I thought, how am I going to do this? It cripples me sometimes mentally. I'm, I'm so afraid. I feel that I'm so physically inadequate that I can't take care of my children. Or that I can't do the things that even that I feel like God has called me to do. How can I be a children's pastor when I can barely pick up my baby? You know? I get caught up in this stuff. Even when I know I'm sold out for Christ. And whenever I start to get it twisted, because I do, and I'm sure you do too, Anytime I get it twisted and forget who I am and forget my worth, I remember these verses. I swear it's my mantra, Colossians 1, 16 through 17. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I was created by God and for God. I'm defined by no one. No statistic. No generations of crap. No one but Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
And if ever I think the enemy has a foothold, and the enemy is real, and we won't, I won't talk about that too much, but if you want to talk about that, we can, we can dig in some scripture afterwards. I'm willing to go there with you. The enemy is real. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10. 10. However, Colossians 2.15 says, Jesus took away the weapons of the powers and authorities. He made a public show of them. He won the battle over them by dying on the cross. They were there. Satan, the enemy, they saw it. Defeated. Satan's a big, fat jerk. He's a liar. So you know what that means to me? I'm not bound by the sins of my family, and I sure as heck am not bound by Satan. The battle is won. I feel like I was going to quote a movie or something. Well, the battle is legendary. I don't know where that comes from, but that's what I felt like I wanted to say. Jesus claimed victory on the cross. And Satan knows this. But there's hope. Back to Colossians 21 and 22. Once you are alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. And this is where we get down to business. This freedom business. This is me talking now, not scripture. Although I would like to see the word bidness in the Bible. Maybe the message has that. I'm sure it does. I love that. That's my favorite movie, Mulan. I love that movie. That's so good. That's a good song. Maybe we'll sing that for worship afterwards. Do you know that, Tyler? No? Okay. All right. All right. Next week. Next week. Uh, Freedom. Freedom from this life that once bound us. My grandfather was bound by this crap. And by the world's definition of a bad man, he was it. But God had a plan. And I'm here to tell you, I witnessed redemption in that man. I witnessed my grandfather make a proclamation to God, and I believe I'll see him in paradise. He was on his deathbed. He suffered for a long time, years. A lot of my family say it's because of all the bad things he did. And I don't know that. I don't know. I didn't see a lot of it personally. I just felt the effects of it. But what I know is that in his last few days, he wasn't alert, he wasn't talking, just there, comatose. And here I am in his room, and he's on his deathbed, just me and him in the room, and I start sharing the love of Christ. And I tell him, Jesus died for you, Grandpa. And he loves you, no matter what. And he has forgiveness for you. 
All you got to do is accept him and acknowledge he's Lord over your life. And I said, you want to do that, Grandpa? And I swear, a man who didn't talk, who didn't open his eyes for days, looked at me, eyes open, and said yes. And I prayed the prayer with him. And two minutes later, he died. It's powerful. It's like the thief on the cross next to Jesus in Luke chapter 23. In his final moments, believed. And Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise. And I believe that for my grandpa. That's redemption. That's unconditional love. That no matter what our sin, even in our dying breath, we can have an eternity with Christ. We can have that freedom. And it's here for the taking. All we got to do is acknowledge what already is. Jesus has already done the rest. And once we acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior, his love, his love is what drives everything we do. His love is what drives our actions. There's nothing I can do to muster it up. There's no social justices that I can do. There's no good I can do. I'll tell you, I went down that road even. I thought, oh, if I'm just, if I'm good if I do all the right things and I'm obedient and I'm a good person, Jesus will save my family and I'll get to see it. And time and time and time again, they fail. I'm like, what the heck, God? Are you not a good God? See, I believed that he was only good when things were going my way. When he answered my prayers. I even got tripped up in this this past week. My kids have been sick. Like the worst kind of sick. One would be up for hours. I'd get them to go to sleep. And then the other one would wake up and be up for hours. And I'd get them to go to sleep. And then the other one would wake up. I'm telling you, like, I was like, Jesus, you got to you got to do something with these kids because I'm tired. And I, I am not going to. Exactly. Exactly. And they were still sick. And I thought, what the heck, God? I asked you to heal them. What's up? Why didn't you heal them? Why am I still going on like zero hours of sleep? And I believed for a second. That God is only good when he answers my prayers the way that I want him to answer my prayers. And God was like, hold the phone. I'm good all the time. And just because you don't see it now doesn't mean it won't happen later. Even for my family, my grandpa, deathbed. 
I don't know if any of my family thought they'd see him come to the Lord. It took, a, I don't know, 70 years for him. But God did it because God is faithful. We see it time and time in Scripture. We see it time and time again in our lives. We see God being faithful. And he says he's faithful. So sometimes I just got to trust that he is. Sometimes I need my husband to remind me that he is. When I get it twisted, he has to tell me, uh, don't you remember this time and 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 this time? And I'm like, oh, right. You're right. I'm only blinded because I'm so self-centered. And I want it now. So coming to Jesus, giving our lives to him, does not mean there won't be mistakes. It does not mean life is going to be easy or how you want it to be. But you will be driven by the Prince of Peace in everything you do. You will be driven by love. You will be driven by hope. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So here at SCUM, we're different. That's okay. I like, I like that we're different. Um, we don't do altar calls necessarily, if you're familiar with that term. But if you've not given your life to Christ and you want an opportunity to do that, there's no better time than the present. The time is now. And I mean confess it. With your whole heart. With your mind. With your soul. With your words. Like Jesus. You are Lord over my life. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't even. I don't know what to expect. Things may be crappy. Things may be great. I'll tell you. There are great things. This isn't just, you know, life will be crappy if you give your life to Jesus. There are good things. I was infertile for six years. Cried out to the Lord. Asked him for a baby. Was so, like, I just wanted that. I wanted to be a mom. I would get mad at other people who were, like, shitty parents, you know? Like, what the heck? Like, you got this great gift. I would do anything for that. Six years, that's a long time to me. I mean, I know other people have prayed for years and years and years. And I got two babies. 
God healed my body. And I'll never, it was right there in that prayer cave. Larry Pombianco. I didn't even tell him about my infertility. We were praying over something else, some other chronic pain of mine. And he just starts praying. And he's like, I want God to heal your infertility. I'm like, whoa, I never told you that. Who have you been talking to? He prayed it. And I didn't understand a lot of the words that he said. But I walked out of that prayer cave and I was confident that I was going to get pregnant. (laughs) It was a weird feeling. And I found out a month later I was pregnant. It was amazing. Zebediah is two and a half, almost three years old. Gift from God, that's what it means, Zebediah. You can applaud. It's Jesus gets the applaud. It's all him. And then when I wasn't even asking for another baby, I got a second one. Which has been a challenge in some ways. <laughs> but it's been good. She's my little beacon of light. (laughs) So if you're on the fence about Jesus, this Jesus deal, and maybe, maybe you've got some people fooled and yourself. Been doing this church thing for a while, even here at SCUM. And maybe feel ashamed. Maybe feel guilty. Maybe maybe you think, what are people going to say? Because even he- here at SCUM, we think that. We're not exempt from caring what other people think. You know? But if you're feeling that, I just want you to know that time is now. Jesus is here now. And he loves you deeply and passionately. And you are worthy because he is worthy. I don't know, maybe you haven't ever said the prayer to give your life to Christ. I don't care how many churches you've been to. You can say it however you want. You know, there's no wrong way to pray to Jesus. There's no wrong way to ask him into your life. There's no formula, you know. He gives us a lot of tips in scripture. A lot of instruction. But he says, come to me all who are burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation in Christ. He's for you. So call this an altar call, if you will. We don't have an altar, but we have a cave over there. I'll be in there afterwards. And maybe someone else, I didn't get anyone else, but whoever feels they can go in there with me to help pray. Sarah. All right, steps. He's down to pray and be prayed for. I gotcha. Sounds good. Mary Alice, you can join me too. All right. I'll just call you out. Okay. All right. See, that's, see, she couldn't say no. 
front of all you people? No, just kidding. You could say no. Don't care about what we think. Don't care about us. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. I won't, I won't pressure you, even though I just called you out in front of all these people. No pressure. We'll have, um, there'll be a few of us steps. Me, Mary Alice, in the prayer cave. And Dave, he's around here somewhere. Um, if you want to talk to us afterwards, even. Uh, I just want you guys to know that that there is no shame. Just love. Just Jesus. Those two words. Just Jesus. So come to Jesus. He's waiting for you. And then we can all go out to eat. And celebrate. Um, I'll have communion. It's right here. We're doing it a little different tonight. Um, so as the worship band comes up. And they play. You can come freely to the table. I like that. You can come freely to the table. Study the table in the tabernacle. That's a good one. That is a good one. Come to the table anytime you want through the music afterwards. Um, It's juice, not wine. Break the bread. Break it for someone else if you want. Um, it's real intimate tonight, so um, do that at any time. And I love you guys. I'll say a little prayer for us now, and then we can continue our worship. Because this is all part of worship, right? Even the announcements are all part of worship. So um, I'll pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us. And that nothing can separate us from you. Nothing's too bad. Nothing's too deep. We're not too far gone. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Thank you, Jesus, that you pursue us. Thank you for what you've done, what you're doing. Thank you that you will finish the work that you've started because you're faithful. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for this group of people. Be with them. Speak to them. Be obvious, God. In the ways that we all need you to be obvious, it could be different for each of us. But, um, I don't know, lead us with your love and your peace this week and this very moment. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.